You're listening to Leah and Alana watch The X-Files. Leah's seen it. Alana hasn't. I'm Leah. I'm Alana. Well, here we are at episode 15. Fresh Bones. I was just thinking we're more than halfway through this season, which is kind of surprising to me. That is, I don't even know if I thought we were further or not as far along. (laughs) I think some days I'm like, we just started season two. And then some days I'm like, we've been recording season two for a year and a half now. Um, We're never going to get through it. But apparently we're, we're over halfway. So over halfway. It's a very interesting way for me to interact with a show. I feel like I've probably talked about this before, but like I only ever binge watch shows now, but now I'm, I'm watching week to week. Like I watch one episode per week. So this is actually taking a lot of my lifetime. Yeah. Right. I mean, overall it would take, well, I was going to say it would take the same amount of hours but like you're really dedicating more hours now than you would be otherwise. <laughs> sure, but it's also like expanded across my life. Yeah. Like we've been doing this for I don't know, like 9 months now and we're only halfway through season 2. Like I I'm really growing with these characters and these characters mm-hmm. are growing with me. Wow. That is beautiful, Alana. Thank you. It's true. Would you like to share one of the ways in which in which you guys are growing together? Like, are you noticing any similarities? Are there parallels between your lives? You know, I think um, me and Mulder both learned about blood play at the same time together. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's one way. That's, I mean, that's significant. That's a, that's a big thing to learn about. Sure. And I'm sure there's there's just endless examples. I saw Mulder in a bathing suit. Um, that personally enriched me. Mm. That is, I mean, who hasn't felt that way? Who hasn't? Well, this episode deals with voodoo. Um, and I, for one, don't know a lot about voodoo. Okay, that's good to hear because I'm going to tell you something I looked up and found. Great. Are you ready for it? I'm very ready for it. Okay, so this was kind of news to me. It's it's maybe a little bit interesting. So I was reading a bit about voodoo, and I read that it is categorized as what's called sympathetic magic, which is a term I had never heard before, but it means magic that is based on imitation or correspondence. So imitation would be something like a voodoo doll or an effigy, and correspondence is based on the idea that one can influence something based on its relationship or resemblance. So like Herbs with a yellow sap can cure jaundice or walnuts can strengthen the brain because walnuts look like the brain, like that type mm-hmm. of thing. But I'd never heard the term sympathetic magic before. And I found that interesting. I haven't either. Um, and I, I think that's also interesting. And I guess 
yeah, I mean, based on that description really makes sense for what little I do know about voodoo, which is that voodoo dolls exist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know, I didn't know about the walnut and brain thing, but that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I'd never thought of it before, but it makes a lot of sense. Another example here that I didn't mention and how stupid of me not to mention it, is that eating foods that are phallic-shaped can cure impotence in men. I bet Mulder would be interested to learn that. (laughs) He definitely would, but I I just don't think that he has that problem. No, but, like, you know, he'd like to know just Mm -hmm. in case he ever does. I'm sure he already does. I'm sure he already eats a banana a day, probably. Yeah, I just pictured that really vividly. Um, And I think he takes his time with it. Definitely. He definitely does. It's just sunflower seeds and bananas for that guy. (laughs) I did want to ask you at the top of the show if curses are something that you believe in. Um... Sometimes, I think sometimes, I don't think, I don't believe they can work, Um, but I think that if a curse was to work, the person casting it would have to have done their research. Um, because I know that I've had moments where I thought I'm going to try to cast a spell, maybe a curse if, you know, I was particularly angry and I'd read through the directions and then I'd go, I don't think that I should do this because I need six purple candles, three yellow candles, two orange candles, a certain type of stone. And I just don't have those things and I wasn't ready to invest. And it just felt like I was going to fuck something up if I attempted this curse without the proper supplies. So I think more people probably say that they try to do curses and spells than actually do um, because they're probably all doing it wrong with the wrong colored candles. But um, I do think they are real, I guess, and believe they can work. You know, that's interesting. That's a lot to unpack there. But Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that you're right. I think that uh, the supply cost of magic is something that's never talked about. Don't talk about that. And I mean, I, for one, was shocked. (laughs) Right. It's expensive to try to do magic. You have to buy so many things. You do if you want to do it properly. (laughs) I, I think the thing behind magic, like if you believe that it works, is it really, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking about things I don't understand because I do think that they're is an element of like ritual that's important 
to follow the directions of, but I also feel like ritual in general is about you believing that there is intention in the things that you're using. And it's really your own belief in like the sacredness of whatever you're doing and it's power is that's what makes it powerful. I think that that is true and a kind of beautiful way to think about it, but it did also just bring back the memory of when we got together. I think people around the world did, but definitely you and I and another friend got together to put a curse on Donald Trump in like 2017. (laughs) Do you remember this? Oh, we sure did do that. Um, I'm having trouble remembering the specifics, but I believed we carved something into a carrot. We lit something on fire, I think, in my apartment in a way that was not necessarily safe. (laughs) And we buried the carrot in my backyard, Mm -hmm. in my Brooklyn backyard. You remember more specifics than I thought you were going to. Um. Yeah, you know, I don't know that that curse did anything, but I know that we had very specific intent. <laughs> Listen, the man got COVID, so that's true. We just didn't know what <laughs> we were. We were just putting a curse for like something negative to happen at some point. Like, please. <laughs> it took three years, but it got him. You know, we, we should have put a time limit on the curse. We we didn't say that we wanted something to happen in the next year, in the next month. We just mm-hmm. did an open-ended curse this man and eventually, you know, it came through. But also to your point, maybe part of what went wrong about it is that we used a carrot instead of something more, you know, important. Oh, I see. I mean, with the carrot was funny. (laughs) Do they not appreciate humor in the world of spells and curses? It didn't have enough power in it, I don't think. It was also a baby carrot, just Mm -hmm. to be clear here. It was a very small carrot. We needed to use a full-size carrot. Yeah, that's what went wrong. That's what it was. That's, you know, it's a a classic mistake. Well, now everybody knows that we try to curse people sometimes. Yeah, so look out, I guess. <laughs> we we try to curse people sometimes, but we don't do it very well. <laughs> we never have the right supplies. No, never. So if you believe that, you know, the materials are important, then you're probably fine if we try to curse you. <laughs> So this episode is about Haitian refugees at a military camp in the U.S. Um, And something that I read about this episode was that originally the producers wanted to set the episode in Haiti and actually film in the country. And what I read said this sentence. It said, "This, uh, this endeavor, however, proved unsuccessful, which is just... I. I can't imagine why they thought they could film in Haiti, considering that they blew all of their season one budget, like not even traveling really. And they thought they could film in Haiti. 
They just like, I think, thought that they might have access to endless money. They were like, no, no, they're going to prove this. Yeah, no, we're going to get the funding. We're going to go to Haiti. All of us. Well, it didn't work out for them. No, it proved unsuccessful. And uh, they were not in Haiti. I imagine they probably filmed in Vancouver where they usually did. And they set the episode in North Carolina. <laughs> so, little different. I'm glad for the people of Haiti that they didn't have to put up with them filming this there. Yeah, it's really probably for the best. <laughs> they actually did get the funding, but Haiti was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. We're not going to put up with your weird bullshit here. I guess what I do like about this episode, and that's kind of making it seem like I didn't like this episode, but I actually did. Um, but something I particularly liked about this episode, because I was kind of worried about it when I first started started it, was I was worried that the Haitian refugees would kind of be like the villains in this story, practicing voodoo. And it does kind of seem that way some of the time, but that's not actually what it is. And actually, the villains are yet again the U.S. military. I mean, when are they not the villains, really? They really are always the villains, and particularly in this show, villains quite a lot. Yeah, the it, it's, it's a government-based show, but it's quite anti-military. Like, it's not necessarily pro-government either. They just happen to work for the FBI. But they're kind of always also against the FBI. So interesting political statements being made here. I was concerned about that at the top of this episode, too. I was also, I, I will say I like this episode as well. But I think, and I did watch it twice. But I think that I still, like, based on the fact that I know so little about voodoo, and it felt like they were really diving into the specifics of voodoo and then you know obviously their own plot that I'm just still not sure that I have a complete grasp on this episode and I just want to be really upfront about that um I love when this happens I love when you're the one that's confused although I don't know that I can answer your questions I had a few questions about this episode but I feel like Less than usual, to be honest. That's great. You know, we're going to pose the questions just to whoever's on the other end of this. And we'll never get an answer, but that's okay. We well, just put it out there. What Do you want to start with what you don't understand? No, I think we'll get there as we go. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> What I do understand is that the episode starts with a man named Jack, uh, who is a Marine, who is very upset a lot of the time, uh, having hallucinations, leaves his home with his wife and his children, drives into a tree, and there's a voodoo symbol on it. So really, I think I've nailed it. Yeah, you nailed that part. He does at one point before he, leave, he leaves his home, he's eating a bowl of cereal, I think, and it turns to worms or maggots, which is really just straight out of Goosebumps. Uh, 
thought that was pretty gross. <laughs> I mean, an upsetting thing to have to hallucinate. Like, I'd prefer my hallucinations to be, uh, you know, less involved with my food. But it seems like they're... There, I mean, there's at least one other scene in this episode where it's involved with the food, and it's like, why? Yeah, at least one other, if not more than one other. Yeah. Um, and I do understand that they're on this case because this man's wife contacted um, the FBI because... She heard about the symbol and someone had said something about voodoo to her, but she didn't really think much of it until her son dug up a very large shell from his sandbox, which seems um, concerning to me, that also had a voodoo symbol on it. And she was like, now this is weird. I will, I will make some calls. That seashell was too big. Like, there's no way that was actually in a child's sandbox. It was huge. Yeah, I don't, I'm like, was it, did he already have it? And someone came and drew on it? Like, what do you mean he dug it up in his sandbox? It was comically big. But I guess it needed to be big so that they could write the symbol on it. It just seems like then it should have been something that, like, wasn't a seashell. Why couldn't it have been like a bucket that he's playing with in the sandbox, like a bucket and a shovel? Yeah. But it went plenty big. They're like, no, uh, we want it to be a seashell. The biggest one you can find. (laughs) Go to the prop store right now and don't come back until you have a seashell as big as a child's head. Yeah, please. When um, Mulder and Scully show up and they go to the Haitian refugee camp, they immediately meet this small child who we later learn is Chester Bonaparte. And Chester is the strangest little kid. Like he just acts so much like an adult that I was just immediately like, oh, his thing is there's a, he's actually an adult spirit inside a child's body. That's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, it it does seem that way. There's also a moment when they're talking to him. He's trying to sell them, like, a good luck charm. And Mulder's, like, all for it, ready to buy it. And I don't remember if he's talking to Scully or the boy or both of them at once. But he's like, no, it's always good to have protection. And I was like, Mulder, this is a child. You know, I I didn't even, it didn't even... It didn't even cross my mind that that's what he meant. But of course, that's what he meant. Yes, that's what he meant. They can't go one episode without without something. Well, it went right over my head. So I'm sure it went over Chester's head as well. Yeah, that's true. Although maybe not because Chester acts like an adult. Yeah, Chester's like, ha ha, don't I know it? I am also 35. (laughs) So I feel like the next big thing that happens, well, actually, let me start this by saying something that I noticed in this episode or that I thought about in this episode was that Scully very rarely is the one who is driving the car. When she's in a car with Mulder, 
Mulder is normally driving. Do you, did, does that resonate with you? Um, yes. Okay. So that's normally what's happening. But in this episode, Scully gets to drive. She's driving Mulder around. But of course, she almost hit somebody. And that's not her fault. <laughs> but yes, of course she does. Um, yeah, so I guess, like I said before, this woman, this ex-wife, not ex-wife, she's a widow, um, <laughs> calls them because of the voodoo symbols, but it's because she thinks that they ruled this man's death a suicide, and she thinks that that is not what happened. Um, because there was another um, Marine who was, had killed himself, apparently, previously in a similar situation, similar symbol. And that is all to say that the man that Scully almost hits while driving is Jack, um, who is not dead. And prior to that scene, we see Scully going to do an autopsy on the body, which no one had ever done. Um, They were like, we didn't see the point. And it's like, well, it seems like you should just do it anyway. Um, and there's not his body there, but a dog corpse, probably. And then there we find Jack roaming the streets. Mm -hmm. He's just walking in the middle of the street. Skelly almost hits him. And I'm just saying that I think that they're trying to make it seem like Skelly's a bad driver. Okay, but if a man's in the middle of the road, it doesn't matter how good of a driver you are. He's walking around at night in pitch black. What's she to do? I just, you know, I just don't think that it would have happened if Mulder was driving. Well, I just think what it is is that it was a choice for this to be the time that Scully was driving. That's what I'm saying. Like, it I wouldn't don't have think... been a big deal if it was Mulder driving, but now it's like, oh, well, this is the one time she drives? Hmm? Exactly. I don't think Scully is a drive a bad driver. I think they made Scully drive in this scene because they just think it's more it's more likely that Scully would when she's driving something like this would happen. Well, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Jack is in the middle of the road. He's not dead. He is basically a zombie, which to be honest, like I knew that um, zombies were an element of voodoo, but I, for whatever reason, was not expecting it in this episode. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, and so I definitely was not expecting it in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think voodoo... And this could be wrong, but I think like like we talked about voodoo is like categorized as like sympathetic magic. And it's about kind of controlling things and a lot of times like controlling like what somebody feels or the actions that somebody does. And that's kind of how like zombies are tied into it. Mm, I see. Well, I'm glad that you have, you know some voodoo knowledge to provide to this episode. I have a little bit, but they also tell us um, that there's a certain poison called tetradoc- 
tetrodotoxin that is referred to as zombie powder. And this is something that is legitimately used in like zombie rituals that exist. And what it does is, so what I understand that it does is that it kind of makes people appear dead. It might slow your heart rate. It might, you know, slow your breathing. It makes you appear dead. And I understand that. What I don't understand is kind of the mind control element of it and how that works in or if when you, you know, take this poison, your mind is just like more susceptible to being controlled. Yeah, it seems like that's probably part of it. And just that. Yeah, you're almost like a blank canvas to use. Um, because you're not, I mean, you're alive, but like not in the way that you usually are. It seems like it also seems like, and maybe it's just way too soon for me to say this, but I'm going to say it that like, they seem to be following actual lore about voodoo. Like they, they seem to be, uh, they seem to have done their research is what I'm trying to say, which we don't often see with this show as evidenced by the infamous Jersey devil episode. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting uh, thing going on here. Maybe they were just aware that like, it'd be probably pretty offensive if they did not uh, do this the way that it's supposed to be done. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're totally right. We have many times on this show called out how they're not really accurately representing whatever, you know, lore that they're trying to or how they blend different stories together or different different mythical creatures together. But this one, it does seem like like it's pretty accurate. But I also think that they don't include a lot of information about zombie rituals. Like really, the only thing that they include is that um, toxic poison. So it it feels like very surprising for the X-Files. They actually employed some subtlety here and some restraint and they didn't go overboard, which I think is why I maybe found this episode to be as good as I found it to be. You're like, they didn't have 19 plot points and a bunch of twists and turns and red herrings and things to mislead us and you know, all these tricks, they were just kind of like, this is the plot and this is what's happening. And there you go. And not to say that there's no like tricks, but they're, they're built into the plot in a way that makes sense and not in a way that's like, did you just add this to confuse the, confuse the audience? Right. I was definitely just going to say there definitely are some Mr. X, a few red herrings, but they're not as confusing as they normally are. Not that like, I don't have any questions. I just have a smaller amount of questions. It just felt like they were more purposeful than like decorative. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Okay, I think I also wanted to talk very briefly about when Mulder and Scully go to the graveyard to um, exhume the body of the other uh military person who had died or 
at this point, the only military person who had actually died. And they go and they run into a graveyard and a graveyard digger, I guess, grave digger. Um, and they ask him, like, where's this body? And he just says very casually, oh, the body snatchers got it first. You're too late. Like, it's not a surprise. It's not shocking. He's not upset about it. He's just like, yeah, they got him first, as if body snatchers are the most normal thing in the world. I think for him right now, like, they are. It seems like this is happening a lot. And he's like, there's just, like, I'm not part of it. There's nothing I can do. They got him. And, like, you guys were too late. I don't know what to tell you. And he's right. They were too late. He just seems to have a generally, like, I think he even even says at one point, like, this is uncool. Very casual demeanor for people stealing bodies out of graves. Yeah. You know, there's cool and there's uncool. And this is uncool. And And that's the harshest word I'm going to use to describe it. I mean, I think it would have been worse had he said that it was cool. (laughs) Yeah. Then we'd have a different level of concern. (laughs) (laughs) But they catch Chester collecting frogs, which apparently he's doing because frogs have a similar toxin to tetra to dachshund. Um, I guess they produce that and you can somehow extract that from frogs. I haven't fact-checked whether they're right about this, so I'm just going to assume that they are. It sounds like they are. I know there's like a certain type of poisonous frog that you can lick and it will get you high. So I imagine, you know, there are other types of frogs that you can do a zombification ritual with frogs are are a diverse species and sometimes you kiss a frog and it turns into a person that's just you know the all these things happen with frogs all of these things always happen with frogs and we hear about it all the time and there's no way that it's not true Mm -hmm. when you lick a frog it's either going to make you high it's going to make you a zombie or it's going to turn into a person and that's just a risk you have to take and All of them sound like great options. Agreed. There's no wrong answer there. It just, you know, it's a gamble, but a gamble where you win no matter what. Um, So Mulder and Scully kind of catch Chester and they talk to him. And to get him to talk, they take him to a fast food restaurant and buy him fast food. Um, And I just feel like this is something that they're doing a lot. They're just constantly buying small children who are suspicious or seem older than they really are fast food to bribe them. It's all they know. You know, they don't have kids. They're like, you probably like French fries. So, okay, let's do this. (laughs) I guess they're right. I mean, it seems to work. (laughs) But then Chester runs away and Mulder tries to catch him, but he doesn't. And he runs into a black cat and I just think he should adopt that black cat. That would be very sweet. I will say I was watching this 
episode again and my cat likes to sleep directly under my television like on the tv modem thingy you know the thing that makes the tv go and because it's very warm and in that scene when Mulder comes to the cat the cat meows and she like sat up and like looked right at me and I was like it's and then she looked at the tv but I don't know that she you know registered that there was a cat but it was pretty sweet that's very cute I wonder what the cat who meowed said yeah I mean she was interested it woke her right up Hmm. we'll never know but I'm sure it had an interesting line I bet it did cat audiences everywhere were you know (laughs) enthralled excited they get such little representation. Yeah. Just a black cat every once in a while. What do you think about this other military guy's story? I think his name is Dunham. And he tells Mulder and Scully a very interesting story. Um, yeah. Do you mean the story about his would-be wife? Yeah, his supposed would-be wife, apparently. So he tells the story like like it's a, a, a fable that he's heard. He's like, so this guy crossed another guy on a real estate deal, and then his daughter fell ill and couldn't be cured. And she died, and after she died, they did an autopsy and found a belly full of snakes. And Scully is like, well, that's an old wives' tale. And this guy is like, well, actually, Scully, I was going to marry her. So it's not. So it's not. It's my life. <laughs> um, I mean, I believed him, if that's what you're asking. But I don't really know why. I think it was just his delivery, you know? I, I think it was a ridiculous story. But I think that he told it in a way where he knew that he was going to get the shock value at the end. And uh, I really appreciated that. I guess I just have, you know, I have some issues with the the logic here. She just fell ill with stomach pain and they couldn't cure her at all. Like, did they even try? If they would have done an ultrasound, I think they would have found those snakes. Yeah, even just any sort of scan would have revealed snakes I feel like even just like pushing on her stomach maybe would have Mm -hmm. led you to be like something's in there that's not usually in there and I, (laughs) I guess I'll say I'm aware that he was telling a story about himself and that it's 1994 or five but in my mind, when he was telling the story, I was like, yeah, well, he's talking about like 1820. And so they weren't able to figure out what was wrong with her stomach. She just fell ill. But that's not true. Um, and they did have access to probably pretty standard medical care. And yeah, they should have been able to find those snakes sooner. They should have been. Yeah, this was definitely solid 1990s whenever his would-be wife experienced this. Yeah. It also just seems like, well, I guess they would have covered it up. I was going to say, you'd think that would be in the news, but the military was like, no, 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 no. That shit's not getting out. I guess. I don't know. 
I think it would have gotten out. Like, imagine how many people would have seen the snakes. Not if they all were, like, military doctors, military... Um, what are the people called that perform autopsies? Those people? They all work for the military. <laughs> that shit's staying locked tight. Mm. Was he even in the military when this happened? We don't know. <laughs> we don't actually get a year, which is why I thought it was 1820. But, um... Maybe it was, and this guy is from 1820. Yeah. And that's the whole other thing going on. <laughs> like, I forgot about that plot twist that I made up. But he also tells Mulder and Scully, I guess, more important information, which is that um, the colonel isn't letting the refugees go back to Haiti, even though they want to, and he's sanctioning beatings. And when he tells them this, he says something like, none of us feel too good about it, but you don't join the Marines to feel good. Which, yet again, very anti-military of the X-Files. It is. But it's also like, yeah, that's true. I imagine you don't join the Marines to feel good. I don't (laughs) think you're like, Yes, I'm going to feel awesome with whatever they want me to do. Like, you got to be aware that you're going to be doing some things that you don't want to do. I guess. But I also feel like a lot of the military propaganda is around, like, helping people and, like, making a difference and keeping people safe, which, like, we obviously know isn't actually the reality. But that does seem like how they try to hook people into joining. Yeah, but it's like helping Americans and keeping Americans safe. Sure. Which I don't think is what they're doing either, but, you know, we can get into that at a later date. (laughs) (laughs) Or never, probably. (laughs) Probably best to never get into that. (laughs) Just, you know, and I'll never bring it up again, but... um... (laughs) We've already admitted to trying to put a curse on a certain former president. So, you know, we're really putting a lot of a lot of uh, risky content in this episode here. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. It didn't work. <laughs> okay. All we did was, like, carve stuff in a carrot and bury it. We're basically gardening. I mean, look, I did imply that we gave him COVID, so I don't know. Maybe edit that out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would love for them to come after us, really. Yeah, come get us. It's what we've been saying. (laughs) We both get abducted, but, like, by the government. (laughs) Just like Scully. That's another way that we're going to grow together. There we go. Like by grow together, I mean everything that was happening to them started happening to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, the guy that runs this base, which isn't really a base, is like a pretty bad dude. He's bad, and you know that he's bad because he's totally bald. 
that's yeah that is how you know it's a good indicator so i think now we can kind of get into one of the questions that i have i think we're far enough along in the plot that it'll make sense so this this colonel is not allowing the Haitian refugees to go back to Haiti. Um, he's sanctioning beatings of them. The idea that like voodoo is around is what they say sparked a riot um, that killed one of the Haitian refugee children. Like all this stuff is happening. And basically what we find out when this colonel goes to, uh, what's the term? He He's... He's having one of the Haitian refugees whose name is Bouvet. Is that his name? Um, yeah. Bouvet. He's like kind of the leader, like set up to know the most about voodoo. The colonel has him beaten up and then goes to question him. And basically he wants some secret from him. And I don't know that we ever find out what that secret is. Like I know that it's voodoo related, but I don't know what it is um yeah i don't think we do either um maybe we both missed it maybe they don't tell us maybe it's just like how he's doing the voodoo that he's doing <laughs> um just the most basic <laughs> well we both watched this episode twice so i don't think we missed it i sure hope not <laughs> That would be pretty embarrassing. <laughs> but I mean, basically the Colonel is also into voodoo and he wants, I don't know what he wants, but he wants to learn how to do it better, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And good for him. You know, he's trying to advance, even though not good for him. He sucks. Yeah. He's just trying to hone his skill. I mean, this is what anybody would do. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do voodoo, you might as well do it to the best of your ability. Exactly. But basically, because this guy won't, like, give him this secret is why he's, you know, treating the other refugees so poorly, they imply, um, and abusing them and beating them, and then they have they beaten to death. All because he won't give up his voodoo secrets, basically. Yeah, he won't give them up. So they kill him. So he's never able to tell them the secrets, which seems counterproductive. It is, but you know how white people are. We be dumb. When we're angry, you know, just a bunch of big old dum-dums. But... Somebody, I'm not saying who, but I'm guessing it was the colonel, booby-trapped Mulder and Scully's car. And yet again, Scully goes to be the driver, and guess what? She gets pricked by, I don't know, a barbed wire that somebody left. And I'm just saying that suddenly driving is dangerous when Scully's doing it. Suddenly driving is incredibly dangerous. I mean, last time we saw her drive... Maybe not last time, but one of the last times we saw her drive, she got kidnapped. 
That's true. So, she got ran off the road. I think that was the last time we saw her drive. So what's going on here? Frankly, if you see Scully driving, it's just like, oh, something's going to happen. How dare they? But when they pull away after she after she gets cut on the hand, there is a voodoo symbol on the ground under her car. So, uh-oh. There it is. One of those voodoo symbols. And then at the same time, Mulder is out meeting with his informant, who, you know, we didn't necessarily know we'd see again. Mulder didn't know he'd see again. And I will say, I guess technically we still don't know his name, as in you don't know his name, but this episode gave some hints, which... It did? Made me wonder if they eventually say it or if it just, like, became the name. Like, I don't... Just, like, with Deep Throat. Like, they didn't say it until, like, afterwards. And it's like, do they never say this guy's name and everyone just knows it collectively because they know it? Or will they say it? But there are there are clues. and. It made me want to just tell you, but then I was like, no, I'll wait and see because I don't remember. And then I'll be like, remember when I said there were clues? This is what they were. But um, we're just not there yet. But just know it's coming. Okay. Well, that's good to know because when I watched this scene, I wrote in all caps, I don't know what his name is. What's his name? All caps. Lots of exclamation points there. Is really something I was feeling. So I don't know what his name is. The only thing that I know is Mulder and this guy have figured out a where Mulder enters his room and a, a card from like a playing deck of cards falls. And that's how Mulder knows that he's ready to meet. He wants to meet him somewhere. That's all I know. So is his name, the card that fell was a 10. I forget of what, but is that his name? It's close. Is it nine? <laughs> you got it. Great. <laughs> no, it's not nine, but um, you're you're on the right track. Okay. Well, they better tell me at some point. I hope so, because otherwise, I don't understand how we all know these characters' names, like just from episode descriptions. So it was decided later. I guess. What's up with that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, they had they had to have been writing episode descriptions when the um, episodes were coming out, too. Because, you know, there used to be a TV guide that got mailed to people, and that's where you would read the episode descriptions. And well, As I'm saying this, I'm realizing how old I feel that that is something that I experienced in my lifetime. Um, but anyway... Maybe their names were written back then. They just didn't put them in the episode. Maybe. Or maybe they weren't because they were like, this is a spoiler. But is it? I don't think so. I don't know. But I mean, when, still not telling. when Mulder meets up with this guy, I don't feel like he got any useful information from him. The only information he really got was that like, the military and the government were going to try to cover up what was happening. 
Obviously. And That's, I, I mean, yeah, we all expect that. We know. Yeah. And yet, like, Mulder's just kind of dumb sometimes, I think. And so he was like, he was like, they're going to make it disappear. And then he was like, why? And it's like, Mulder, duh, because they're doing something bad and they don't want people to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean, why? He's like, the government's supposed to be good. And it's like, oh, honey. Sweetie. It's honestly embarrassing that this guy had to show up to tell Mulder this. Yeah, like Mulder should have like figured it out a long time ago, but instead he's like, I gotta go. I gotta fucking go to North Carolina. I gotta set up a secret code to you can see where to meet me just so I can tell this dumb motherfucker they're gonna cover this up and they're gonna make you go home and it's not gonna be true, but they're gonna tell you there's an emergency. Okay. He's just babying him at this point. So while Mulder is out meeting with this guy, Scully is just, you know, hanging around. She pricked her hand and her hand is getting worse. I think like she's like looking at herself in the mirror and I think that she's supposed to look really pale and sickly. But I was just like, she looks beautiful. She's stunning. I mean, her, her skin is is porcelain anyway. It's it's hard to make her look pale. Stunning, just absolutely stunning. Just I mean, she good. looks pale. It just looks good on her. Yeah, it's like, well, she's having a great skin day. <laughs> she looks awesome. She is having a great skin day. But then she finds a dead person in, I think it's Mulder's bathtub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's like. Knocking on his door, he doesn't answer. And she's like, Mulder, your door's open. And then just, like, comes in. And then, like, hears the tub running and just, like, starts walking towards the bathroom. And it's like, Mulder, you'll never believe what I found. And then looks down and sees that water's coming out and it's blood. And, like, you don't really hear too much panic in her voice. But you got to think for a moment. She's like, oh, my God, he's dead. But... He's not, but like it's his bathtub in his hotel room. Um, but she opens the door. She's like Mulder, and then it is very clearly not him. It is that other guy who uh, was going to marry the snake stomach girl. Yeah, a snake guy. I do think there's there's like a potential scenario here where if you take away the blood. You know, uh, Scully almost walked in on Mulder in the bath. Yeah, she did. Except there's the potential that she was not going to open the door if she hadn't seen the blood, but that's probably not true. She was. I don't know. She she wasn't getting a response, so she was going to go in, I think, is what was going to happen. She's like, do not ignore me, Mulder. (laughs) I have big news. Even if you're in the bathtub, I don't care. She's like, we have a no boundaries work relationship. If I have information for you, I will come over in the middle of the night while you're taking a bath and tell you it. (laughs) But then Mulder shows up with the other zombie military guy. Um, And apparently that guy had a bloody knife. So he he's the one that did it. Um, yeah, and he confesses, in fact, um, even though he has no memory of doing it. 
No memory. I guess, again, this is just like, you know, a logistics of, of zombiness that I, I don't necessarily understand is how do you, once you give them the toxin and, you know, maybe they're like, their brains are more, you know, susceptible to stuff. What do you just like, are you like, Hey, just go kill this guy. Like, how do you direct them to do something? Maybe there's some sort of ritual, almost like a voodoo doll scenario going on that we're just not seeing. Yeah, that seems likely. Feels like that's the most likely possibility, but it's strictly speculation. I have to say that um, Scully knows something is wrong with her. She knows something is up with her hand. Like she's not well. And Mulder keep keeps asking her if she's okay. And she, even when they're in the car and she's like really not okay, she keeps being like, I'm all right. I'm fine. It's fine. And I know this is like very on brand for her. This is very in her character to do this, but it is yet again, kind of annoying. Like Skelly, you're not fine. And we all know that you're not fine. You're not hiding it well. Yeah, I think at the beginning of this episode, she she was like, she was like pretty anti voodoo or like kind of suspicious of the, you know, fact that this might be what's happening. There's a scene at the beginning when they're talking to. Jack's, you know, who we thought was his widow, and she's like asking very realistic questions. And Mulder just like, did he believe in voodoo? And she's like, Mulder, like the power of suggestion is, you know, valid, but I think that's probably all that's happening here. Yada yada yada. So, as usual, I think she's built up a foundation of skepticism that she's now like embarrassed to be like, okay, well, I think something is going on and I don't really want to tell you that I think that, but like, girl, it's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but I will say there's another element of this where it's just like, she got a cut on her hand and now that's like, looking like it's infected and it's looking worse. And even that part of this, like the medical part of her should be like, oh, I could have like tetanus or something from this cut that I got. But not even that will she admit. No, she's fine. And I wondered if it was because like, obviously we see later that like she is hallucinating things with the cut. And I wondered if when she was seeing it become infected, if like just she was seeing that and then sometimes she'd look at it again and it'd be not as bad. But I don't know that that's true. That's just a thought that I was like, well, maybe, maybe she's aware that she's seeing things and therefore doesn't want to be like, I'm going to go to the doctor for this because... They're just going to tell her she's fine or something. And she doesn't want to go through that. Yeah, I guess that's true. And I mean, again, Mulder knows that she's lying. He knows that she's not fine. 
but like he doesn't press her really like he he will ask her like are you okay and she'll say I'm fine I'm fine just go on without me I'll catch up but you know like he won't really press further and I guess that's just because he knows her really well and knows even if he keeps asking she's not gonna tell him yeah quite frankly like the more he asks probably the more likely it is that she insists she's fine like it sometimes it seems like just no one should ask and she'll come to you when she's ready because you asking if she's okay is is not going to you know inspire her to be honest right and that's relatable but I also feel like like she's she's never gonna decide to be like okay I'm ready to talk about this now we have yet to see her do that you know what just give the woman some time just give her some time, okay? You know? Okay, okay I'll give her time. She's on her own schedule. Well, what happens to her at the end of this episode, I thought was legitimately creepy and maybe, like, the best effects that I've seen them do so far. Like, she is in the dark car and Mulder's left and she looks at her eyes in the mirror and they're black and then blood starts coming out of her mouth. She looks down at her hands and her her wound is getting worse. And then fingers poke through the wound, which I thought they did really well. Like that was so gross. Um, and it's just like a, like a hand comes out of her hand and strangles her, which is crazy. I was just really impressed by everything they did with that scene. They did a lot of effects. I was um, quite shocked. Uh, it looked very realistic. I mean, and it was also just like, holy shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And then she grabs the the protection bag that Chester sold them earlier, and she's safe. And that black cat shows up again, which... Again, I'll just say, adopt that cat. I mean, frankly, at this point, it's it's asking to be taken home. Mm-hmm, it is. But they don't seem to get the message. No. Though, to be fair, they're kind of dealing with a lot at this moment, so I won't fault them too much. So we're nearly at the end of this episode, and we have yet to hear what part you were confused by okay so well you'll notice that I'm very strategic when I'm confused and I just kind of let you talk about a part um (laughs) but (laughs) I think a lot of it and it, it wasn't even necessarily I guess confusion just as much like I didn't feel like I fully understood the uh, like what was going on with the, what was he a colonel, the leader, the military man that was in charge of the camp, um, and how he was involved in voodoo. And like we said, you know, he was trying to get answers from Bouvet and we don't know what they were. Um, I felt vaguely confused about just the voodoo in general and the whole zombification thing. I I mean, I guess we still don't really know 
how it works, but I suppose we could probably look it up. <laughs> um, and honestly, a lot of it, I mean, I guess I get that this last scene, it was like this guy was performing a voodoo rite ceremony thing over Bouvet's grave. But like, I don't really understand why or how or what was supposed to happen or why it was so important that they stop him from doing whatever he was doing. And, you know, but they do. So that's cool. That does seem like the missing part of this episode is that we don't understand what this colonel's intentions are. Like they do, Mulder and Scully figure out that he was stationed in Haiti at some point and he met Bouvet there. So that's kind of how he got introduced to voodoo. Um, And he obviously wants to learn more about it and do more voodoo stuff that I can only imagine he has bad intentions for, but yeah, they just like fully kind of left out what his actual goal is. They're like, you know, yeah. what? we don't we don't need that in this episode. They're like, no one's gonna wonder. Um, but here we are wondering. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Well, I guess it makes me feel better to know that it was left out. Cause I was like, maybe I just it went over my head. Maybe they stated it early on and I like didn't connect that this was the same guy. Um, but if it's just that they left it out, then great. Yeah, I mean, I guess I do kind of wonder, part of me wonders if what he was doing in the cemetery with Bouvet was trying to make Bouvet into a zombie that would, like, give him the secret. But in the past, when that has happened, these people that were zombified were still alive. But Bouvet is still very much dead. I think so maybe he wasn't doing that kind of zombie ritual with him, but I can only imagine that he was in some way trying to get the secrets he was looking for. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. I mean, okay. And like Bouvet's dead. But Bouvet does appear and stop the guy in the middle of his ritual. Like, it's not actually Mulder. Mulder's been stabbed through voodoo magic. And Bouvet stops him by blowing, you know, zombie stuff in his face. And, but he's dead? He's not dead? I think he is dead. Um, and I think that was his spirit. I mean, yeah, I, I think that he's dead because Scully checks his coffin afterwards and he's just like in it, you know, um, not moving. So I don't think that he came back to life. I think it was like his spirit that did that. Okay, well, good for him. He's very powerful. Um, but then because of that, they pronounce this other guy dead, um, but he's not. He's not dead, but he's gonna be because they bury him alive. Which, like, I don't like this man, so I guess it's fine, but I really did not like that scene um, where he woke up 
inside of the coffin with um, dirt being thrown onto it because it's just like, I just, I, I felt it. I felt it like it was very real. I was like, there's just nothing you can do. Like there's just, you just have to wait and then you just die. And it just has to be so terrible. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a very upsetting thing to think about. But I feel like that guy deserved it. If there's anybody who would deserve it, it was that guy. Yeah, I don't I don't mean to say that he didn't. I just wish I hadn't had to watch that scene and think about that happening. Sure. Yeah. The only other question that I had from this episode beyond like, well, what does this colonel like actually want? Is at the end, the military person who we first thought died at the very beginning and then came back as a zombie and killed the other military person and admitted to it. He is just kind of around. He's helping Mulder and Scully on the base. He's just like talking like everything's normal. He's not like arrested or anything. So like, is it just okay that he killed this guy? I think that it was probably determined that the guy that was in charge of the base was controlling him in some way. Like, I don't think that that guy just went and killed the other guy. Like, I think he was under his control. And I think there's probably, like, I don't think they really directly tell us that, but you know, this scene where they're like going through the, guy's office and they find that both of those men the guy who was murdered and the guy who supposedly murdered him had filed complaints against him um and i think somehow because of what they find there they're like oh like this guy was just a bad guy and he was doing voodoo and mistreating people yada 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 and i think somehow they were able to determine that this man did not purposefully murder um, Snake Boy. I mean, I hear you. And I think that that is accurate to what happened. But I also think that is completely unprovable. Like, if you go to the court of law, your alibi being, I was turned into a zombie by this guy who is now dead, uh, is not an alibi that's going to stand up. Yeah, I just had a thought that it was the director of the base was the one who got him to confess. And I assume that means that he confessed to him because otherwise they say he has no memory of doing it. So I wonder if he never actually confessed. And if he were to go through the courts, he wouldn't confess because he doesn't remember doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the whole thing here is what we already know, is that the military isn't going to, there's not going to be any repercussions for this because the military is going to cover it up, which means nothing's going to happen here. Yeah, I guess that that is really what it comes down to. But also an important thing is that that guy, when he's walking around and helping Mulder and Scully, is like, Oh, Chester? No, he died six weeks ago. (laughs) 
Right. Yeah. So Chester, the very oddly mature young boy, was actually a very oddly dead boy. He's a dead boy, but he sold them a frog that did save Scully at some point. So that's true. He was there to help, which again, uh, I'll repeat. It was nice in this episode, the military people were the bad guys. And also the Haitian refugees were the heroes. Mulder and Scully really didn't do anything. Beauvais killed the colonel and stopped him. And um, Chester saved Scully. Yeah, Mulder and Scully were just there. (laughs) Exactly. They didn't actually do anything. They just happened to be nearby. They were in the vicinity. I also wrote down here as the last thing that I wrote in my notes. (laughs) I wrote, good episode. I have no notes. (laughs) Except for all the notes that you took throughout? Except for all my notes. I guess what I meant is I have no changes. I, you know, sure, I had questions, but, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Right. It's like, maybe tell us what the fuck that guy wanted. But otherwise, like, really good job. Yeah, great job, guys. I'm proud of you. He wanted the secret, and that's really all we should need to know. He doesn't know what the secret is either. Mm-mm. I guess maybe that's why we don't know it, because he also doesn't know it. He just knew there was something that he should know that he did not know. <laughs> and that's what we know, too. So next week, the episode that we're watching is called Colony. And here's the description. As Mulder searches for a killer capable of altering his shape, his long-lost sister suddenly appears. What? Uh Uh-oh. Also, I'll just note, because people can't see it, that in the description, long-lost sister is in quotation marks. So it seems up for debate if this is actually his long-lost sister. I mean, how are we to know? How is How he going to know? I guess we'll find out next week. There you go. And you know what? Zombies, if you're out there, I don't know, do what we tell you to. 